Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I wish you a fabulous Pet Expo weekend. Yes, it's finally here, but more about that at the end of the show, because first we're going to be talking with Stacy Daniel from the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists, who has great news about the annual free eyesight exams for service animals during the month of May. The program is in its seventh year, so if you have a service animal or know someone who does, you'll want to hear all about this no-cost sight-saving program. Then, after our halftime break, Robin Gansert, American Humane Association President and CEO, will be checking in to talk about the National Fire Dog Monument, Therapy Dogs, and the No Animals Harmed program that protects animal actors in film and television. This and more are just on the other side of a very quick break, so keep your radio tuned to KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I'm pleased to introduce Stacy Daniel from ACVO. Good morning, Stacy. Hi, Marie. How are you? I'm doing really well, and the first thing I have to ask you right away is, what is ACVO? <laughs> certainly, certainly. We live in an acronym kind of world, so... Um, the ACVO is the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists, and our main charter is that we board certify veterinarians to become ophthalmologists. Oh, well, that's very interesting, and I know you guys also do a very cool event, and you're in your seventh year right now. You're you're doing free eye exams for service animals. That's correct. Can you tell me a little bit about how that all got started and, and what you're up to today? Absolutely. Um, this was a philanthropic program that was put together by our ophthalmologists and those who could, you know, volunteer to participate in it. And they had already been offering um, some free screenings um, for service animals around the country, but not as a group or a collective effort. And they thought that if they combined their efforts into one event, that they might be able to call more attention to it, thus helping more dogs. Or, or I guess there's other service animals too mm-hmm. that we've seen. And it seems to have worked because the amount of animals that we see collectively over the year now have increased greatly. So since the seven years, the doctors, there's about 250 of our veterinary ophthalmologists who volunteer to participate, their staff and such, around the country. And the very first year we did it, we had 1,500 animals that registered. Yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. And then last year, our sixth year, 
we were up to 7,700 animals. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a great improvement, but the doctors are just thrilled. Now, how are they able to see so many animals? I mean, 250 doctors. Right. That's I, a lot of work. <laughs> it's all in the month of May. It is. It is. Um, they really love doing this. I know that might sound kind of cheesy and flip, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, they really move their schedules around. They try to accommodate the animals where possible. Um, we've had donkeys, some equines. We've had seizure alert cats. We've got some wow. interesting animals that show up. Um, and they just space them out, mostly in the month of May, but occasionally if they overflow, um, a doctor might be able to accommodate some on the shoulder of okay, those dates. So, okay. Yeah. Now, do, do people have to go to an office, or does the doctor come to where they are? Sure. These doctors um, have their practices around the country. Usually they're centered in larger um, population areas, just because that's what they need to support their general practice. And so through the exam process, the client would register online, which I can discuss in a moment, and then they would select the office location, call and make an appointment, and they would travel there to have the appointment. The doctor has all the equipment in the dark room and all of the um, ocular screening equipment they need there, and so they can do those quickly and move the dogs through so they can get as many taken care of as possible. And I say okay. dogs because that is the majority, but honestly, there are other animals involved. Too. Okay, yeah, I think you mentioned a donkey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in the mounted patrol, we have some some of the animals that are able to accommodate equine depending on their facilities and and uh, some other, I, mean, I think we had a hedgehog one year. It was a interesting. Hedge? So, yeah. <laughs> what, what service did, did the hedgehog provide? It's interesting. I think it was a, a registered therapy animal from what I recall. Oh, and the, okay. the kitty cats sometimes are seizure, seizure alert cats. Okay. Um, so I, I'm sure there's other people in the world who know much more about that than I do. Though. Okay. <laughs> well, let me ask you, what actually qualifies a pet under this program to be a service animal? Absolutely. I can give you kind of the summary, but there is a, a complete description off of the website. So the animals need to be a formally trained, um, certified, currently working service animal or a formally trained therapy animal, and they have to have an active registration. So basically we're trying to help the animals that are currently serving people out there today. And um, those are the folks, the ones that take priority. Okay. Um, and then when they register online, they can look at the specifics there um, and make sure that their animal qualifies and register and take that any registration paperwork they have um, to the clinic when they have their appointment. Okay. And that is spelled out further again on the website too. Okay. Well, I, I'm kind of doing the math in my head, and, and yeah. I know I'm missing a few years. So why don't you just tell me <laughs> about sure. how many animals have you actually helped during the entire time that you've been doing this? I don't have it memorized, but I believe we're around 25,000. Wow, that's outstanding. Yeah. What an achievement, and you're probably going to have an even bigger year this year. We certainly hope so. Our doctors are really excited about the event, and, and I think that's proven by the fact that I think the last three years consecutively we've had over 250 participate. It doesn't sound like a lot, but if you understand that there's only about 420 board-certified ophthalmologists in the country oh. um, that were boarded in the U.S., 30 of those are now out of the country, so they couldn't participate in this particular event, and another 20 or so are retired. 
So you're talking, you know, about 340-ish that could even participate. Um, so it's a pretty good participation. That is percentage. very good. Wow, congratulations on that kind of involvement. It's usually hard to wrangle volunteers, but <laughs> you must <laughs> know the secret potion. <laughs> I think they're just great people to work with. They've always been really wonderful. So um, they're one of my favorite groups of folks to work with. So That's very cool. And I know that early detection and treatment uh, for eye disease is very, very important, especially in service animals. And and that's something that you guys do quite a lot of where you diagnose and, and, and get yeah. the animal's treatment right away. What's your favorite story of the years that you've been doing this? What's the just absolute heartwarmingest, <laughs> if I could say that right, story? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, well, to, before I get to that really quick, the one thing that I want to point out is that because we've been doing the screening so long that we have, every year we have fewer and fewer of those stories because we're able to find these problems before they progress too much. And that acts, you know, tickles us pink. We're happy about that. But early on in the event, we did find a couple of situations. There was one, for instance, Quest. He was a guide dog that um, one of our doctors had worked with over, um, has now worked with over the years. But he was diagnosed with an optic nerve melanoma, Ooh. a form of cancer. And because they found it early, they were able to treat him with the melanoma vaccine that was being developed at that point in time. And it bought an extra year or so of partnership um, for the dog and the client. Um, and it kind of gave the client a little bit of lead time um, to find another dog and, and get familiar with that one and trained because there's an enormous amount of investment, um, both uh, time and money in these animals. So yeah. um, something like that is great. And we've had a couple of... Um, you know, diabetic assistant dogs who maybe had um, lid tumors that were detected and were able to be scheduled for surgery so that they could provide minimal impact on the owner's life and be able to help them move forward. So, oh, that's um, great. So I think our, our joy is in the fact that we don't have too many crazy stories because we want to prevent those from getting uh, very severe. And I think that hopefully the proof is in the pudding that that will help. Oh, that is very cool. And you have mentioned a few times that you have a website where people can yes. go and register. Can you give that out? You bet. The registration is open through the end of April. The program registers every April, and the event happens in May, so okay. it's a timely issue. The website is A-C-V-O, like Apple, Cat, Victor, Ostrich, iExam.org. A-C-V-O iexam.org. Correct. And it has all the links right off the front page. And if somebody um, does need assistance, there is some information there on how to contact us so we could fill the form out for them if they are sight impaired and such. Oh, that's good. I was I was going to ask about that because I know a lot yeah. of these dogs were probably uh, guide dogs. Yes. And so that, that would raise some questions there about how. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are some um, compatibility programs that kind of help feed that general information off the website, and they can call us and we can help them complete the form. But we do ask that only people that really need that assistance call because we do have a small office, so we want to make sure we can help them, the okay. folks that really need it. So. Would it be okay if we gave that phone number out? Um, I have it linked off the website, so I'd prefer to have them go through there just because we have three people here. So if I got inundated <laughs> with calls, it would be a little tough. But I, it's very, very clear and easy to find on there, um, okay. I promise. So. Okay. And I suspect a lot of sight-impaired uh, folks do have screen readers. So Yes, but yeah. we're happy to help any other way, too. So okay. I hope that. Okay. And how long have you been involved in the program? 
Um, Dr. Bill Miller and I actually put the program together um, originally seven years ago. So oh. I've been with the ACVO for 13 years now. So. Oh, my goodness. So you're yeah. you're like one of the founders. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> of the program, yes. Um, the ACVO uh, has been a board certification college since, I think, 1971, I believe. So they have been around quite a while, but um, we're happy to help um, serve the public whenever possible through this program and hopefully increase those numbers. We'd love to see them up around 10,000 if we can hit that magic number. That would be awesome. Yeah, we now, love it. I know a lot of people have regular veterinarians. Can a regular veterinarian participate in this, or does it have to be one of your members? Sure. The ophthalmologist um, secure an advanced training beyond their general practitioner um, training, and so they work together symbiotically with the referral um, veterinarians on this program. And the idea is that the ophthalmologists have some advanced instruments and tools and stuff that they can use to really look deep into the eye and look for um, it, problems that a GP might not have access to because of the equipment primarily. Okay. And so we our focus is to try to identify if there are any problems and then work with the general practitioner to help um, send that information back to him or her with the overall um, health management of the pet. So we like to think of it as a team effort, but if a general practitioner knows of a of an animal that could benefit from the program, they can certainly refer them to the program and then we will give them paperwork, the client paperwork to take back to the general practitioner for their overall wellness maintenance. And the other thing that's notable is that the animals are welcome to participate every year. They don't just come and hit once, but you could have an animal, for instance, that's been screened seven years in a row if needed. Oh, okay. That's wonderful. Well, Stacey, before I say goodbye, let's give out your website one more time. Thank you kindly. It's acvoiexam.org. Excellent. And thanks so much for being on the program today. Thank you for the opportunity, Marie. We need to take a quick pet place break now, but when we return, Robin Gansert, the CEO and president of the American Humane Association, will be stopping by to share some great news about the National Fire Dog Monument and so much more. So stay tuned to KJAZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm so pleased to welcome Robin Gansert, the CEO and President of the American Humane Association, back to the program. Good morning, Robin. How are you? Good morning, Marie. I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing really well, too. It's been a long time since we've had a chance to chat, so I'm so glad you were able to come back. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always great being on your show. Oh, thank you. Hey, I got this very cool press release about the National Fire Dog Monument, and I heard that it was voted the best monument in our country. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? I tell you, Marie, we have had so much joy with this National Fire Dog Monument. You know, we installed it. On October 23rd, uh, right in the nation's capital, it's at 500 F Street. For those of of your listeners who are planning a summer vacation to the to our nation's capital, it's a great uh, place to go by and visit, and you get to see uh, 
uh, an incredible sculpture monument that is devoted to the power of the human-animal bond. And, you know, for all of us who love March Madness and basketball, well, the Washington Post took it one step further and did what they called Monument Madness. Oh, I hadn't <laughs> heard about that. <laughs> so they had a uh, bracket set up with 64 of the national monuments that are actually in the District of Columbia. And they wow. did this incredible voting, and we were an underdog, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't feet. believe you. I think pun was intended. <laughs> Seven seated in our bracket, and honest to goodness, we won. We won, kept winning our votes and winning and winning, and then it got down to the final two. And uh, there we were, just like UConn and Kentucky. It was us. It was American Humane's the National Fire Dog Monument, along with the Seabees, uh, the monument at, at Arlington National Cemetery. So oh. it was what we affectionately called the Frogs versus the Dogs. And the dogs won, and we were so thrilled, and we were so honored, of course, to be in the final final game or final wow. uh, contest with the, the CB. So, you know, how fun is that? That is super fun. I'm so glad you were able to share that story. You know, I <laughs> I hate to, to uh, let everybody know that I didn't know anything about this monument until I got the press release. So <laughs> I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it is, you know, it is made in uh, as a tribute to our first hero dog uh, in the law enforcement arson category, hero dog Sadie. Oh. And it is it is a, a, just a, it's a beautiful monument to firemen and Sadie and uh, just educate so many people about the work of arson dogs. Oh, wow. Is there a photo online that somebody who's listening could surf on over to and take a look uh, at? Absolutely. You can certainly go into our AmericanHumane.org site, and you will see lots of references to our National Fire Dog Monument. And one of my favorites is found in our impact report uh, that we've just put up on the web and our little three-minute video of our impact, and you'll see the great photo of all those firemen with their arson dogs and our monument. So some great photos to see. Wow, that is very, very cool. And I know there's some other stuff going on in Washington, too. I, I heard that on May 8th you're going to be giving a, a special briefing about therapy dogs. Oh, I'm so excited about our work on the Hill on May 8th. You know, that first week of May, May 4th through 10th, is actually the 99th year of Be Kind to Animals Week. Yes, it and is. I have for 99 years. And so what we're going to do during that very monumental week is to bring our latest humane research on canines and childhood cancer and bring that to the Hill in an educational briefing for members of Congress. And we'll actually be bringing children who are winning the war on cancer. We're going to bring them on the Hill who've participated in our study. We're going to bring these therapy dog teams who've been working in the children's hospitals. We're going to bring them to the Hill so it's going to be one of the most life-affirming, uh, poignant times for so many uh, of our uh, members of Congress and certainly for families who can really tell the story about the power of the child-animal bond and how that can really help heal. Well, I suspect it has to do with the fact that it, having a, a dog or a cat or, or any other animal, therapy animal, brought into a patient 
it just relaxes you and comforts you and and just makes you feel like you know maybe maybe life is worth fighting for. <laughs> That's exactly right, and we know life is worth fighting for. And you know, as I look at a therapy dog or any therapy animal, you know, it, what seventy six percent of American households already have this medicine in their medicine cabinet, right? <laughs> they right. already have a beloved pet at home, mm-hmm. and it's trusted. It's warm and fuzzy. It, it has a great wagging tail and a great liquor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they love to kiss us and lick us, and it just makes us feel good. And this research is actually not just about the heart. It's also one of the very first quantifiable studies measuring uh, measuring the physical and physiological responses, the efficacy of animal-assisted therapy in a very robust and rigorous study uh, that's happening in five children's hospitals around the country. So why it has a lot of heart in it, this research that we're bringing on May 8th has a lot of smarts in it, too. Wow, that is very cool. And what are some of the results that you're seeing? Well, we just finished our first pilot study, and from that study we were able to fully refine the clinical trial. And now we're in our first-ever clinical trial in five children's hospitals around the country, including UC Davis and, of course, Vanderbilt in Nashville and uh, uh, St. Joseph's in Tampa, some fantastic hospitals that we're in. And the first clinical trial will be done about a year from now. So then we'll be able to bring to your listeners the uh, definitive findings. Oh, okay, okay. So you're kind of doing the groundbreaking for all of this. Absolutely. I We're see. Getting the members of Congress to be prepared for what we know will be uh, uh, an incredibly uh, significant announcement, most likely a little more than a year from now. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I remember when I first used to take animals into convalescent hospitals and children's hospitals back in the mid-80s, I had trouble bringing animals through the doors. I had to really talk to administrators and really get the staff on board because so many people thought, oh, no, 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 germs, germs, uh, keep them away. (laughs) So what a difference, you know, time has made. And and really, it's shown what a positive impact animals have on, on all people who find themselves in that situation, in hospitals, convalescent hospitals, uh, centers for people with Alzheimer's. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. Animals help everything. Oh, Marie, you're so right. And thank you for helping to pave the way by, you know, being first part of those those waves of conversations that were happening around this wonderful country about you know, the healing power, this alternative therapy that uh, is so, I think, so poignant and so convincing. And and what's interesting about this study is actually breaking through not just the bedside visits, but actually breaking through that infectious disease barrier at those children's hospitals. Mm -hmm. And we're actually bringing the therapy dog to where the child is receiving the oncology treatment. So that is, uh, it is groundbreaking being able to break that barrier, and we're going to continue to to work on that. I think it's very vital. I'm, ex- I'm so excited for you and, and everybody who's taking part in this. This is just wonderful. Thank you. Thank and you. you do so much more, too. I mean, you have the No Animals Harmed program, uh, protecting animals in film and television, and that's been going on for how long now? 
We are approaching our Diamond Jubilee, just like the Queen of England, right? <laughs> the Diamond Jubilee. We are actually wow. going to have our 75th year of working in film and entertainment in 2015. And, uh, and I have to say, Marie, we're so proud of the past couple of years, some of the enhancements we've made to modernize this incredible program that we've all known and loved for years. And I'm proud to say that... We've onboarded the incredible Dr. Quan Stewart, who's our head of our program for No Animals Were Harmed. Mm-hmm. And under his leadership, we have onboarded uh, a lot, about 10 animal doctors, licensed veterinarians who are actually working in film and television, ensuring the humane treatment of our animal stars. I think it's so very special to have that kind of enrichment in this really vital program. How do movie producers welcome or not welcome the people who are coming to monitor the animals on sets. Do you find that it's mostly positive or do you get some resistance? You know, I think that, you know, uh, people who are working in film and in television, they're just like the rest of the animal-loving community. Most everyone has a dog or cat now. Mm -hmm. You know, 76% of of Americans have a, a companion animal in their lives. And and folks who work in the film and entertainment industry are are just like the rest of Americans. They celebrate the power of the bond, and we do feel you know welcomed on the set. I think we are so um, well respected for advice and counsel throughout the process. And you know we have a safety rating that we're quite proud of of ninety nine point nine eight percent. It's safer to be a animal and film and television than it is to be a human star. (laughs) So we're proud of that, but we won't rest still. We won't rest until we're able to ensure the humane treatment of every single animal uh, involved in film and entertainment. And we're not there yet. We've got a lot of collaborative work to do, but we're excited about the future and the potential of this program. You, you really do some amazing work, and I'd like all of our listeners to know where they can go online and see some of the great examples of everything that you're involved with. Oh, Marie, thank you so much, and we'd love to have your listeners visit our website at AmericanHumane.org. That's AmericanHumane.org. Follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, and certainly you can look at our impact report that's featured on our front page and see the impact, uh, we have it all there in, in measures, uh, measurements, and certainly my favorite are the photographs, the photographs of the fire dog monument. Yes, there uh, you go. <laughs> and all sorts of, of great uh, animals that we've saved in crisis. Robin, it's always so much fun to talk with you, but the time just flies by. So thank you again for being on the show today. Oh, Marie, thanks so much for your hospitality, and thanks so much for your support of our association. Oh, you're very welcome. And it is time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, get set for Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. 
I've been talking about this for over a month now, and many listeners have already made reservations for our upcoming Pet Place documentary we're working on. If you haven't, you're not too late. If you've adopted a pet from a shelter or a rescue, the Pet Place wants to hear from you. We're producing a film about the amazing companions that shelter and rescue pets make. So, while we're at Pet Expo at the Orange County Fairgrounds today and tomorrow, we'll be recording stories from pet adopters like you in our booth. If you want to go on camera and aren't shy with your storytelling, then stop on by. We'll take a limited number of walk-ins at the event, but we definitely have some space open, so come on by and tell your story. We want to make sure everyone knows that shelter and rescue pets are amazing companions. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of The Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.